Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. This is a step of faith for us. I hate the outdoors. <laughs> I need air conditioning. They are the meaning of city slicker. You guys got the belt buckles. What's up, man? I gotta shake what my mama gave me. Come in! My life was on the line, man. Ah! I want to go to church in New Jersey. All righty, yeehaw, everybody. Welcome to Big Fish Part 3. I'm Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you guys, each and every single one of you here, those of you watching in New Brunswick and Nutley, as well as our friends online. I am so pumped for today. I'm so glad that you're joining us, because this has truly been an incredibly fun redneck reality series. For those of you that are just coming on board right now, you need to know we've actually been following the life of the Old Testament prophet Jonah, who uh, was sort of minding his own business when one one day God says to him, he says, listen, uh, Jonah, you know that Sin City? No, I'm not talking about Vegas. I'm talking about Nineveh, okay? I need you to go to Nineveh and go to that great city and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. You see, you guys, you have to understand that Nineveh had like this awful stench in God's nose because of their sheer wickedness. It absolutely stunk. It's sort of like when you drive through Staten Island, okay? And so I had a guy from Staten Island at the last service. Anyways, uh, so guys, uh, here's the deal, okay? God tells his prophet Jonah, go. You need to go. Go and preach against these people right now. Just go. But what does Jonah, this man of God, this messenger of the Lord, say to God? No. There is no way I am going there. N-O, no. God says go, and Jonah says no. In fact, he actually goes so far as to buy a one-way ticket 2,500 miles away, right? God says, go to Staten Island. Jonah says, I'll see you in San Francisco, okay? And let's be honest. Before we start judging here or anything like that, we all know a little bit of what that is like, right? God says, go, and you're like, no. God says, go. You need to forgive your spouse. You, you need to forgive your mother. You need to make right with your friend over there, and you're like, no. You don't know how much they've hurt me. Or maybe God says, go, you need to trust God with your finances. You need to give more sacrificially. And you're like, no, I got to hold on to every dollar I make. Have you seen the economy lately? Or, or maybe, maybe God says, go, you, you, you need to ditch the porn, the gambling, the drinking, the drugs, but something inside of you screams, no, I can't do it. I, I can't live life without these things. God says, go. And you're like, um, no, it's not happening. 
Yet over the past couple of weeks, we've seen that even when you try to run from God, his love for you is so strong. His love for you is so abounding that he'll never let you actually outrun his love. You can run from God, but you can never outrun God. And we saw a little bit of this last week, and we saw it come alive when Jonah actually sailed away from God. In fact, do you guys remember what happened next? What happened when Jonah said no? Yeah, I see some heads there. Let's actually have a quick review. Turn with me to Jonah chapter 1, verse 4 there. Here's what it says. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. In other words, things started shaking up here. God said, go. Jonah said, no. And so God sent a storm to grab Jonah's attention. Question, did anyone here ever feel like God's trying to grab your attention? Like one day you're just sort of sailing along and up out of nowhere comes this great wind. This violent storm crosses your path and you're like, whoa, God, God, what is happening here? What is going on? Well, I want you to pause right there in that frame of mind for a second. And I want to challenge you to think a new thought. Like what if unbeknownst to you, you were actually headed on a path of self-destruction that was so far out of bounds, that was so far off course that God deliberately, purposefully, and lovingly was sending a storm in your life to grab your attention. What if, as Pastor Tim shared last week, the storm was not meant to pay you back, but to actually bring you back to the heart of God? Because, folks, that's exactly what was happening to Jonah. See, God raised this violent storm to grab his attention. In fact, Jonah was eventually thrown overboard. Do you remember this? He was actually hurled into the deep and raging sea. But scripture says right here in verse 17, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish. How many days and nights? Three nights, three nights and three days. Now, some of you, some of you, no pun intended, you're actually in the same boat as Jonah. I mean, you've been headed off course for a while now. Maybe it's a wrong relationship. Maybe it's like a secret sin, a secret addiction that you have. And you can actually, if you look off into the distance of your life, you can actually see some sort of storm clouds assembling, some sort of storm clouds forming over there. And you're feeling like, you know what? Any day now, any moment, any given time, I could be thrown overboard. But don't miss the point here. Don't miss the point. What seems like it will kill you, God can use to actually save you. And in Jonah's case, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and it actually saved his life. If you think about this now, just think about this for a second. Without that great fish swallowing up Jonah, Jonah would have died. He would have drowned in there. Now, you know what? As a kid, I always sort of wondered, what was it like for this guy to be inside of a great fish, right? 
I always heard that it was like a whale or something like that. Have you ever seen pictures like this? Okay, you know what I'm talking about? You got Jonah over there, so sad. He's sitting on a turtle over there. What's he eating? I don't know what's happening. And some of you, I get it. You're like, ah, no, that's physically impossible. There's no oxygen in there. There's, there's no way that he can breathe. And you're like, some of you Bible quoters, you're like, oh, no, but don't forget the whale has an air spout. It's got a breathing hole. Guys, you're missing the point. Totally missing the point. Because in our passage today, Jonah chapter 2, what we see, we learn exactly what Jonah does inside the belly of the beast. What he does is he prays. See, Jonah chapter 2 is a written record of one of Scripture's most desperate, raw, and passionate prayers found in all of Scripture. In fact, you need to know this. The entire second chapter of Jonah is actually this incredible Hebrew prayer. It's actually a Hebrew psalm, a poem. It's this passionate psalm, this desperate plea that comes from the heart of someone under extreme distress. And unlike many of our more superficial prayers where we sort of pray for our circumstances to change... Here, in Jonah chapter 2, we see how a heart-wrenching, soul-searching prayer actually changes you, the heart of the one who's praying, from the inside out. See, today, Jonah's going to teach us how to pray from deep within the belly of the beast. So would you do me this favor? Would you turn to Jonah chapter 2, found on page 644 in your Bibles, and let me... Let me share for you this man's prayer, this desperate prayer. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 says this. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Next verse. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been what? Banished. Banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. Guys, Jonah's not having a good day here. Okay? I mean, do, do you feel Jonah's pain here, his desperation? He's been thrown into the raging sea. He has no idea which way is up. In fact, I want to share with you this. I want to focus on this Hebrew word found in verse 2. Check it out there. In verse 2, it says, in my, what's the word there? What's the word? Distress. Okay? That word distress is the Hebrew word sarah. Can we say the word together? Sarah. Let's try that again. We're going to say the Hebrew word together. Sarah. Sarah. One more time. Awesome. Okay, now, folks, you got to understand this, okay? That Hebrew word, Sarah, it is one of the most primal, primal words you will ever find in Scripture. I mean, it is used to describe extreme anguish or distress. It is a word that was only reserved for the most excruciating of circumstances, like childbirth, for instance, okay? A woman in labor... With no epidurals, no drugs, just pure Syrah. Uh, as a matter of fact, any, any new fathers in the house? Just raise your hand if you do it. Okay, I see a couple there. Yeah, a bunch of suckers, okay? 
I remember, all right, I remember, I got three kids of my own. I remember when uh, we were pregnant with our first, my wife was pregnant with our first, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm a little bit of a nerd, you know, so when I prepare for new situations, I read a lot, okay? So I, like, read every, like, James Dobson, like, How to Be a Good Father book that was out there, okay? I spent money on Lamaze classes, all right? I was going to do this. I was going to be a good father, a good husband. I am ready to go. I am going to be my wife's breathing coach. Okay, I'm going to be your breathing coach. And I remember, okay, being in that delivery room on that day. It's our firstborn, okay? And I was holding the hand of my beautiful, sweet, gorgeous wife. It's so amazing. We're going to be parents. And this is it's just a magical moment. I'm, I'm gazing down into her eyes. I'm kind of rubbing off the, the glistening. Women don't sweat. They glisten. And, it's, it's just, and I'm just gazing into her eyes. And, and she's looking up at mine. And, and this is like somewhere around the fourth or fifth hour of her pushing. And, and she, just, she just says to me, she looks up and she gazes at my eyes. And she goes, shut up. <laughs> Breathe faster. In my distress, I call to the Lord. That is Sarah. And you know something? I look back at that moment. Honestly, I look back at that moment. I'm like, God, thank you, Jesus. You are a hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You created, you, you are amazing, God. Women are absolutely incredible. They're just incredible. Thanks be to God. As men, <laughs> we will never know that kind of Sarah, that kind of anguish in our lives, or at least that's actually what I thought until Pastor Tim and I wound up in those forsaken waters of Oklahoma. Come on in, come on in. I can tell Tom is nervous. He's taking his sweet old time getting in this hole. Spread your legs open wide. You are you serious? Yeah, you tell us don't let him come out. What do okay. we do? I gotta shake what my mama gave me. Where's his mouth? Where his head is? Kicking. Spread my legs. Get right in there with the side. No, I'm He's never fished in his life, but he's making up for lost time, taking almost an hour trying to get this fish out with his feet. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Tom may do four. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. oh, I had it. I don't fear him. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh. Get a hand in his mouth. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. You got Come it? On, hold on, hold on. Come on, bugger. Come on. No. Come, Come in. Come on. No. No. I have him. No, 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 no. Get loose. No, no, no. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Pull him out. Pull him out. Come on. Come on. That's 21 pounds. I done caught with my bare hands. Yeah, we can, yeah, we can clap. We, it's, that's all right, all right? 
It may have taken me a while, but I pulled up that 21-pounder, okay? But now, folks, you have to understand this, right? And a lot of people have been asking. What happens is these hillbilly hand fishing experts, right, Skipper and Jackson, what they do is they actually go ahead of us, and they start looking for, like, these deep, cold, nice holes for us to go in. And once they find that hole, okay, what they do is they take one of the people and they shove them in there as bait, all right? Now, I'm told, I, I don't know if this is true, but I am told that the whole process is only supposed to take about, you know, no longer than 10, 15 minutes or so. But apparently, and I dispute this, I want to go on record for saying this, I dispute this, but apparently, according to Skipper and Jackson, I took over an hour, okay? I was under extreme distress, Sarah. okay? But I'm here to say it was not over an hour, okay? That is absolutely ridiculous. There is no way it took me over an hour, closer to 57 minutes. But anyways... It was not over an hour, but guys, let me tell you why it took me so long. Seriously, okay? That was a Syrah moment for me, for me personally. I'm not comparing myself to Jonah or anything like that, but that was a crazy combination of emotional and physical anguish. Emotionally, okay, I just want to share with you, I was scared for my life. You have to understand, I am not an outdoors guy, surprise, surprise. Uh, I am not a water guy, okay? I know some people are like fish, they love water. I, I, in fact, years ago, true story, I knew drowned on a missions trip because I got pulled out by this crazy riptide, okay? I wound up in the ER for three days. I lost oxygen to my brain. Some of you are like, oh, okay, that explains a lot. But anyways. <laughs> and then here I am, okay? These two big, over 200-pound guys, they're shoving me into like this underwater coffin, okay? I am not afraid to admit that I was scared, okay? But then physically, Physically, I was also in some serious pain. Have you ever been inside of a pool and you're like walking on your tippy toes and you get that like that like shock in your foot, like that it, it like cramps up? That's exactly what happened to me. But now imagine this. Imagine that happening to you after over an hour of like treading water, okay, waiting for this this animal to bite you. Lord knows what it is, okay? Could be a beaver, could be a snake, could be a fish. And then at that exact moment, I kid you not, what happened to me at that exact moment is my hamstring decides to tighten up and pop, okay? So yeah, emotionally, I'm feeling Syrah. Physically, I'm like writhing in pain. There's just so much pressure. And then all these words just keep gushing out of my mouth. I wish I had just said, okay, Syrah, Syrah. That's a different sermon for a different day, okay? Because for not, right now, what you need to understand, what you need to see is the Sarah moment that Jonah endured inside the belly of the beast. Jonah was under extreme distress. And only when you can feel that distress, when you feel that pain, the distress in your bones... Can you then truly appreciate the miracle of how the verse actually ends? Look at the end of verse 2. It says, he said in my Sarah, in my distress, I call to the Lord. And let's read this together. Please don't miss this. This is the whole point of the thing. Let's read this together. He what? He answered me. Now, guys, just pause for a second and think about that. I called to the Lord and he answered me. Can, can you grasp, even for a few seconds, what it means that you and I actually have the ability to call on the God of the universe, the one who, who hung the stars in the sky, 
the, the one who, who, who actually designed every single grain of sand, who put together every cell in your body. Did you know that you can call to him, you can pray to him, and he will answer you. God will answer the prayer of Sarah. God hears the cries of his people no matter how deep or dark their despair may be. But honestly, honestly, you and I, we don't really believe that, do we? Let's just be honest. It's okay. It's okay. Honestly, let me ask you something. Do you believe truly that if you pray, God will answer? I mean, do you believe in the power of prayer? You know, in fact, it reminds me of the story. You know, we were down in Oklahoma of the small town church. Actually, in Oklahoma, I don't know if it was near some of the watering holes that we went to, but there was a small town church in Oklahoma, and uh, across the street from it, you never guess what, what came up across the street, strip club, okay? Strip club opened up right across the street from the small town church, all right? And that got that pastor really up in arms. I mean, he was really upset. You know, he's objectifying women. He had daughters of his own. You know, it's just debauchery, lewdness, wickedness, all this stuff. So that pastor, he, he did the right thing, right? He got together some members of the church, some of the elders, some of the deacons, some of the board members. Guys, we, we need to pray. We need to lift this up to God. Let's, let's pray. And so they all got together, and they had, like, these all-night prayers, right? Day after day after day, week after week. It turned into months after months, praying praying, praying that God would take this away, God would take this away. And I, it doesn't really happen here in New Jersey, right? Electrical storms, I never even heard of anything like that. But I guess they have electrical storms in Oklahoma. Would you, would you believe, I kid you not, what happened after months and months of these guys praying that God would do something, take away this strip club? There was an electrical storm, a bolt of lightning shot down from the heavens, landed right on that strip club, burnt it to a crisp, gone. Okay. Check this out. The story goes. Here's the deal. That bar owner, that strip club owner, he got so upset. He knew what was going on in the church across the street. He, got, he actually took the church to court. Took the church to court. And so there he is, strip club owner and a pastor. And he says, no, you, you know, damage has been done. You, it's because of you guys. You were praying to God, and, and God struck down my bar. And now I have no place to live. I, I got no business. You need to pay me back. And the pastor was like, oh, wait a second. No, 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 no. We were just praying. These are just harmless prayers. It wasn't our fault. You can't blame us. It's not my problem. It's not our fault. What? This is a, I don't know how this happened. This is, and the judge is just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is really interesting. <laughs> On the one hand, I have a strip club owner who believes in the power of prayer. <laughs> and on the other hand, I got a pastor who doesn't. <laughs> Guys, makes you wonder, right? Do you really believe God answers prayers? I'm not talking about Pastor Tim's prayers or, you know, like uh, Billy Graham's prayers. We know that God answers those, okay? <laughs> but do you believe that when you pray, not Billy Graham, not Pastor Tim, but when you pray, when you cry out to God in distress, that he'll actually answer your prayer, that, that in your moment of Sarah, God will actually answer you? Because here's the deal, right? If we're honest, I think we all want to believe that. I think we all know we're supposed to believe that. But the truth is, we don't always feel like that's the case. And the reason why is not because God loves you less. 
It's not because he's not paying attention to you or because he doesn't care about your prayers. No. The reason why it feels like God's not answering our prayers sometimes is because a lot of times we only have eyes for one specific type of answer. You know what I'm saying here? But the reality is God's answers are sometimes always so much bigger and broader and deeper than anything you're possibly looking for at that given moment. I like the way Craig Groeschel, he's a pastor of Life Church down in Oklahoma as well, and he, he put it like this. He says this, prayer should not be about getting God to do what we want. Instead, effective prayer is agreeing with what he wants. Guys, you need to think of it this way. God always answers Sarah prayers. You pray a prayer of Sarah, you pray a prayer in extreme distress, I need to guarantee you, you need to understand, 100% guarantee he will answer that prayer. But, but the answer always isn't in this change of circumstance. Sometimes the answer comes in a change of heart. See, for instance, I want you to just take a look at how this passage ends today. And you tell me, if the person that we're dealing with right now, if the person that we read about, tell me if he sounds like the same person who earlier said no when God said go. See if you can spot any sort of heart change taking place in the belly of the beast. Look at verse 6 here. It says this, But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of what? What's the word there? But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Guys, does this sound like the heart of rebellion to you? Does this sound like the same guy who was running fast and furious away from God in the chapter earlier? No way. Not even close. I mean, this Jonah, this Jonah in chapter 2 inside of the belly of the beast, he actually sings songs of thanksgiving, blessing God for what he's done. Check it out. This is how it ends. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from who? The Lord. And why? Because God answers the SOS by changing the heart of the one in distress. One more time. God answers the SOS by changing the heart of the one in distress. It's what God loves to do over and over and over again from, from the fiery, you know, fishy, you know, prophets to even Jersey preachers who could use a little soap in their mouth. To everyone in between. God answers the prayer of distress by changing the heart of the one in distress. You know, I'm going to go live here for a second. I want to take a little bit of a gamble. Uh, I am not one for, you know, picking scabs or anything like that, but 
you know, I just kind of prayed through this, and I feel like this is the right thing to do. You know, I, I wanted to share with you uh, live. I want to go live here for a second. I want to share with you some of the things that I feel like God has been teaching me personally over the past couple of weeks, especially in light of, you know, my sort of epic high-definition meltdown on national TV that is now archived forever and ever, okay? I'm talking about me cursing on TV, okay? I want to share with you some of the things uh, that God has been kind of walking me through, um, you know, when we had the preview party here, there were about two, 300 people here. It was a lot of fun and stuff like that. And the overwhelming response has been, you know, joyful and good-natured and whatnot. Uh, but I definitely did receive a handful of, of constructive criticism. And you got to know, like, from the bottom of my heart, I'm so thankful for that. Many of you took the time to, to write me in emails and Facebook or uh, meet with me one-on-one, call the office, call me and all that stuff. And, and it, that's a gift to me. Uh, there were, quite frankly, there were things that I needed to hear. Uh, and they were true things, they were right things, and, and that was all great, and that is a gift to me. I needed to hear those things. Awesome. Uh, you know, like anything in life, though, there were some, you know, things sp- sprinkled in there, peppered in there, that were like a little bit, uh, you know, like, it just, it, it just crushed me. You know, some of the things, uh, so, so a couple people, you know, questioned my call into ministry. Uh, you know, like, why are you even a pastor? Like, how? Uh, I think what cut deeper than that were um, uh, there were uh, several people that questioned uh, my Christianity, my salvation. Like, like, is that even possible? Like, are you even Christian? And and I remember, you know, the, the show aired on a Sunday, and uh, you know, Sunday night was ah rah rah, and, and Monday rah rah Tuesday. But you know, mixed in there on Monday Tuesday, uh, some of these constructive, uh, positive criticisms were coming in, and. Uh, it was around a Tuesday, Wednesday, where, where, where some of the, the, the other stuff was coming in. And I just remember I, my heart wasn't in the right place. Like I knew the next Sunday I wanted to apologize, and I did, but I knew I, my heart had to be there as well. And uh, I actually spent the day, uh, you know, I called Pastor Tim. I said, hey, you know, I'm not going to come into the office. I just need to spend this day in prayer and fasting. And so I spent the day, day in prayer and fasting. So those of you that know me, you know I am not a good faster. I don't, I don't fast well. Uh, I just don't, and uh, you know, but you know, I felt like it was the right thing to do. It's, it's what's going to humble me before the Lord, and uh, I just remember the whole day, you know, just trying to fast and uh, get in the scriptures and read and pray and whatnot, and um, it was just a very uh, trying day. I was really irritable the whole day. I just wanted to be alone and stuff like that. Nothing was sinking in, and I just felt like, oh, it's just a waste of time, and I was actually getting more and more bitter, but you know what? At the end of Wednesday, Wednesday night, I'm sitting in my living room. You know, girls were upstairs, they were put to bed, and uh, sitting there in my living room, I was just kind of reading through the scriptures, and I felt like God, this hasn't happened in a, in a while like this, but I felt like God was, was speaking directly to me. And, and I felt like God, in, in, in only his gentle, uh, truth, loving way, he, he says to me, he, I felt like God was saying, Tom, you know what? I get it. T- to you, it may seem disproportionate. To, to you, Tom, it may seem like what you did and some of the heat that you're getting, it may seem like it's disproportionate to you. Like what you did is here and, and uh, what, the kind of heat that you're getting is up here. But, but let me tell you something, Tom. Let, let, me, let me ask you to think something else here. Um, aren't there so many other areas in your life? Uh, aren't there other areas in your life where you don't have an audience of 1.3 million people? where it's not under the microscope, where it isn't archived in high-definition TV? Are there areas of your life like pride and lust and anger that no one sees? 
And not only do they not sleep, but they actually give you the benefit of the doubt. Oh, Pastor Tom, he, he doesn't deal with those things. He doesn't struggle with those things. He, he, he's beyond reproach there. And it never so much as gets mentioned. Now, aren't there levels of disproportion in your life that actually work to your favor as well? And I felt like God was saying, you know what, Tom? It may seem disproportionate to you here, but there are other areas where it's also disproportionate and it works to your favor. So, so like, would it be okay if me and my sovereignty, if me and my love actually sort of played with these two things a little? Would that be okay with you? I was reminded of this passage in Scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 5 where it says that the, that the sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment beforehand. The sins of others trail behind them. I felt like God was saying to me, Tom, you've actually got both. So would it be okay if it seemed a little disproportionate to you here because of the disproportionate? Would that be okay with you? And I just remember getting on my knees and saying, yes, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Salvation comes from the Lord. That was a word in season in a moment of my distress. See, sometimes God changes your circumstances. And sometimes he changes you. Guys, you need to know God answered my Sarah prayer that day. Not by magically turning the clock. Not by miraculously erasing everyone's DVR. <laughs> not by miraculously changing the circumstances. But by clearly changing my heart and helping me more vividly see my need for his grace continued every day in my life. He answered my Sarah prayer by reminding me, just like he reminded Jonah when he was in the belly of the beast, that there is nothing I can do to save myself. But the good news is salvation comes from the Lord. Amen? And so folks, I need to ask you this. What if right now, what if at this very moment today, right now, right here, what if, what if you could cry out to the Lord in your despair and you knew that guaranteed, no matter what, he would actually answer you? That, that in your moment of Sarah, maybe a lifeless marriage, a distressing health report, uh, maybe some upsetting situation at work, that, that in this moment of Sarah, you could go to the Lord, no matter how big, no matter how grave or how small, that you could go to the Lord and he would answer you. Let me ask you, would you do it? If you knew, if you knew, if you knew that he would answer you right now, well then guys, what is stopping you? In fact, right now in all of our campuses, I actually want to give you guys the time and space right now to write out your prayer just like Jonah did, and we're going to offer them up to God and ask for him to answer them. Inside, inside of your programs, right, you should find one of these, right, one of these cards. Take this out, would you? Would you take this out, one of these prayer cards? And on the front, it has our, our main passage for today, uh, Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. In my distress, I called to the Lord. And here's what you do. You click your pen and circle, he answered me. 
Just go ahead and circle that. He answered me. Okay? In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. And on the back, we've given you some space to actually write out, physically take time to write out your Sarah prayer. Now, I want you to be honest, guys, just like Jonah was. I need you to tell God exactly how you're feeling. I mean, when you look back at Jonah 2, we didn't even actually get into all this, but it actually says, Jonah says, I've got seaweed wrapped around my head, right? In other words, he's just so discombobulated. He's got stuff all, he can't even see straight in front of him. So guys, I need you to tell God exactly what you're feeling right now, what your need is. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you, okay? I'm going to invite the band, and as they come out to lead us in this last song, I want to encourage you right now to go ahead, take this pen, go ahead and click it, and write down your prayer. This is a moment just between you and God, no one else. So be as raw and as open and as primal even as you can be. As a matter of fact, here's the deal. Some of you, I see most of you write, some of you still aren't writing. Here's the deal. If it takes you more than five seconds to think of what your prayer should be, you, you, you don't get it. it. You're already filtering things. You're already trying to micromanage your own spirituality. Sarah prayers come right from the heart. They come from the God. Help! I'm in the ocean. Help! What is that prayer for you guys? What is that prayer for you? So right now, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to ask you to go ahead and write that down. We're going to take a couple seconds here. Be open and honest. Okay, I'm going to ask the band here to give us like 90 seconds to just write down our Sarah prayer. In fact, I'm going to click my pen. I'm going to do the same along with you. I got Sarah prayers. I still have my Sarah prayers. All right, I'm going to join you guys. Give us like 90 seconds, guys, and let's write our Sarah prayers together. We're going to offer these up to the Lord. Let's write. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.